0: The past. It used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. Once en masse. Get it on, to it to the end of the game? The Buff Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Iles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. Happy New Year to each and every one of our listeners. Let's have a little catch-up on what's happened since the last proper episode. Ian Everett called George Johnson a weirdo, and we all thought that was pretty harsh until the player coughed up to liking cold play. Ricardo Santos got back into full training having two-footed that virus into touch, and we all spent a couple of days refreshing the ticket website and counting how many individual seats were left for the derby game. 25,000 turned up, but a few walked away wishing they'd stayed at home to watch the traitors. And talking about dodgy dealings in Scotland. For a couple of days, people actually thought James Trafford might be going to play for Rangers on the strength of a Thogden video. A few days later, it was up to Lincoln. We had to wait 45 minutes for Bolton to turn up, but when they did, Owen Tong proved it was possible to score from a corner, especially if Dapo off the line has sparked out one of their midfielders in the six-yard box. Dapo got caught by the EFL's version of VAR, which is basically when the opposition manager faxes in to complain. And so 2022 got one bigger. Portsmouth sacked the Cowleys. Peterborough put Grant McCann back into the cupboard until the summer and then grabbed out a fresh Darren Ferguson. And Connor Wickham shocked us all by leaving Forest Green and being 29 years old. Bolton paid tribute to Pele by turning into Brazil from 1970. Barnsley didn't know how to handle them, partly because it's still 1961 in South Yorkshire. Wanderers look like they've signed Dan and Lunderloo, who I'm told doesn't have an apostrophe, like Papa John's trophy or an EFL press release. And other than that, Bolton have been linked with a load of former players, Danny Ward, Tom Eaves, Ricardo Vazte, Terry Wharton, but I don't have a Patreon account, so I can't really explain why. And that pretty much brings you all up to date. And, and actually, when I think about it, it also renders the rest of this podcast pretty much useless. Bugger. And without further ado, in fact, actually, without any ado whatsoever, it's time to introduce a man whose New Year's resolution is to crochet a dull version of every single member of the first team squad. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how you doing?
1: I'm good, thanks. With no lundaloo at all or whatever instead of ado um i'm working on him at the moment we we record this and it's not quite been announced yet so I, I can't i basically have just done the shirt at the moment and the shorts can't do the rest of him yet until it's been announced uh but yeah i've got it got it for christmas so i might as well use it um how was your christmas was, uh was everything everyone happy in the aisles household
0: They were, they were. It's been a decent Christmas. It was odd because obviously there's no Boxing Day fixture, there's no New Year's Day fixture. I had to kind of sit in and enjoy the family stuff, which is very foreign to me for the last 20-odd years that I've been a journalist. Very rare that that happens, but yes, it was a nice diversion. Um, Just a note to the EFL fixture planners, please can you make sure that Bolton play on Boxing Day and New Year's Day next season. Um, I don't want to have to do that again. Uh, how about you? How's your uh, Christmas and New Year been, Henry? Uh,
1: yeah, it was. It was very good. But it, I, I know what you mean. It's Bolton playing kind of is a, a a nice sort of. I don't know. It's a nice after the hectic Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. It's it's nice to have that the day after. It weren't there. I had to box in there. I had to go and watch Macclesfield play because uh, I thought, well, I've. I've I watched the show on BBC with uh, the behind-the-scenes thing, and there's been a lot of noise about them. So, And it was actually very good. I was quite impressed. So, uh, yeah, I still got some Boxing Day football in, but then, um, you know, I, I, you, it's, it's nice. It's a nice little tidbit, but you just want Bolton Wanderers, really.
0: No, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's very much like the prawn cocktail before your Christmas dinner. It's, 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 yeah. it's really nice, but actually what you want is the pigs in blankets and the stuffing and all that sort of stuff. Um, that is the last festive reference that I want to make on this podcast. We've moved on now. We've got New Year's resolutions and all that sort of stuff. But what a start to 2023 it was. I nearly said two. 2023 it was. Um, I don't think anybody expected that at Barnsley, did they?
1: Uh, we didn't know it was a better start than it was twenty twenty two, uh, with Rotherham and Hartleypool. But um yeah, it was what a performance from the first minute and you know, it's uh, I I know you know, I know it's people look at the sending off after ten minutes, but you know, I thought we were we played very well until then and, and Dion Charles got in a few times didn't he? So um it was gonna happen and it was gonna end one way, it was either gonna end with Charles scoring or a penalty it it with both so uh yeah it was a a real great start to the year i i was there what an away day the fans were uh their jovial selves some of the the chanting especially when the uh, I, I don't think you would have well you you wouldn't have had what we had because the sun was coming down the the stand yes. uh opposite uh yeah and uh three thousand people sort of shielding their eyes um, well, chanting was was quite funny. So uh, yeah, a great day, and uh, hey, hey, you know we we start as we means to go on. It's going to be a great year. We're never going to lose, and we're going to win every week.
0: Free now. I did notice that light actually because obviously I was on one of the side stands where the press box is. But I think by the time the start of the game had come on, it it kind of dropped from the standish, and it was shining right at Connor Bradley. And it was, it was either that he looked like somebody from X Factor that had a spotlight on him, or it was, I mean, you could tell he was struggling. I would, I would nearly throw him down a baseball cap or something to (laughs) sort of run up and down in, but it's like when you're watching the TV and, and that little tiny bit of light just kind of peeks through the curtains and and interrupts your in pleasure it was, uh, it was difficult for him for the first five or six. I, I felt for you guys I really did but you can sit there and drink or stand there and drink and I can't so um, it swings and roundabouts really um, you can't yeah. fail you can't fail to have enjoyed that though first ten minutes like you say all of them but what did you what did you think of the red card because I felt that the one beforehand was was actually a, a better better shout for it probably influenced the referee in the end
1: yeah I'd agree with that I think um it, it looked, from obviously we were at the other end of the pitch and uh, I actually spoke to um, some of my in-laws who were at the game. They were in the same stand as you actually. Apparently they were just behind the press in that rickety stand. <laughs> um, so they had a, a closer view of it and they, they said the same. They thought the first one was a nailed on and it weren't given and I think uh, they said they influenced the um, the second one. Whether it was a sending off or not, I'm, I don't know. I think it, it was harsh but The rules are changing that much. I don't actually know whether it was in the rules or not, you know, because he was the last man and he was wrestling. And I don't think if he's saying that you need to make an effort to make a tackle, wrestling isn't making an effort for the tackle. So, he he was the last man. He was throwing goals. So, I guess it was a sending off. But, you know, it, it was... I think you could tell by the reaction of the Bolton fans. Uh, it was a surprise that he got sent off because was we were celebrating um, the penalty, and then it was an even bigger celebration when he mm-hmm. pulled out his red card.
0: Yeah, no, it was a, it was a strange one. Wasn't it? I I honestly thought he was just going to get a yellow. It it was it was cumbersome defending more than any sort of malice on his part. Uh, but as I th- as you say, I think that the rules state that you've got to take if you if you get a penalty awarded against you, I think you've got to have made a play for the ball. Um, I think that's the, the way it is, or else otherwise, if you've denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity, it is a red card. So, I, I would have gambled on, on on getting through and scoring there, really. But um, Let's move on, then. Second goal, have you seen anything like it? Uh, I, for one second, I thought that, that John Doddy-Bavasa was just going to keep spinning round and round and round. I thought he was stuck like one of those players on Madden. Then <laughs> hmm. it started glitching. The whole thing yeah. just seemed, and, and you had the the Barnsley player facing completely the wrong direction, thinking the keeper had punted the ball. Keeper had absolutely no idea where it was. Uh, what was what was the reaction like in amongst the fans?
1: Um, well, at that point, I think the sun had gone behind the stands, so we could actually see. Um, and what we did see was, yeah, I think it was a it was a delayed reaction. It was kind of so much was happening at, at one, you know. Uh, one point. I mean, you say there about like a computer game glitch. I thought their defender had one as well because he just seemed to halfway through the incident looked away as if like you know like a it's like a it was like a dog. Do you know when you've got a bit of food and the dog wants it but <laughs> doesn't want to show it wants it so he just looks away. Yeah, and that was yeah. kind of what the defender was doing. But I um, oh, was thinking, well, if I don't look at this, it's not happening. The goalie uh, and Bodvarsson, yeah, just kind of. Confused each other, and luckily, Bud Varson got to the ball first. It was it was very strange, and I mean, for once that stuff happened in our favour, normally it kind of happens in the it's us who's doing it. Mm. So that was nice, but yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it came at a time of the match for me where I, I was genuinely thinking. I thought this is the best performance or the best first half performance I've seen us do all season, and um, I, I but I did feel that we need the second goal. I thought if we got that second goal. Uh, then it would have been the best first half performance of the season, and then as the you know as the sun shone down from the heavens, it clearly distracted the Barnsley defender and give us that second goal.
0: We don't need to uh, dispute the quality of the third one, do we? I mean, I I was in obviously the press box, but but next to us was the directors box, and I'm pretty sure that everybody in that directors box actually applauded the the quality of the goal it was just one of those you couldn't help it it was even people in the press box like oh, that was that was brilliant i mean only 19 passes it felt like a lot more uh best team goal potentially under ever do you reckon
1: um yeah it's definitely up there up there with that salford one um you know i think i think when the, the fans are all laying i think uh, it should count double double passes um, so in it's 38 passes uh, to that goal but um but yeah it was it was brilliant and to to round it off as well was um, yeah it was a and to be honest for for dempsey credit to him because i think we've had players this season who would have hit that straight at the goalkeeper or blasted it or shot wide so to, for him to place it as he did under the goal his legs was was a great finish.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm really, really impressed with with Bolton overall. They had that little spell just after half-time where you knew Barnsley were going to come at them, even with 10 men. They're a good team, uh, but they defended well. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to uh, this uh, supposedly makeshift back three later later on. Uh, But overall, and given the fact that we've not had a podcast through the Lincoln game, through the Derby game, um, and and obviously uh, now for, for the Barnsley one, how do you how do you assess it? Because they're still fifth in the table. They started fifth in the table as of our last podcast. It's been a bit of a mixed bag in terms of performances, but are you you fairly happy with where things are?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, we seem to be talking about this every week of um, putting things into perspective. We're fifth in the table where we, if you'd have offered that at the start of the season, then uh, we would have took it. And I think, so you've got to be happy with that. And I think, for for fans being in the or expecting the playoffs is the toughest it's it's I think it's one of the toughest things to go through actually because you you're in the playoffs and you can, you're meant to be content but you're always going to analyze performances analyze where they are if you get a bad result you know we we're still within the playoffs and so we go seventh and suddenly it's the end of the world um but I thought the performances over christmas were yeah, they were, I mean, Derby was two similar teams and we kind of cancelled each other out. Lincoln, yeah, we we should have won. We should have created more after the sending off. Um, but we've seen Bolton lose that type of game before. And then obviously, Barnsley was was probably our performance of the season. So, we have had a mixed bag over Christmas. But I think overall, five points should have probably taken that beforehand with two away games. So, yeah, I think you've got to be happy. I mean, would you agree? Do you think Bolton should have should have been looking for more points or, or are you content with five.
0: I, I think the, the the two stand out at Lincoln. I think I would have taken a point against Derby. Um obviously would have, would have been happy with the the win at Barnsley, but I, I just feel that and I know we never will feel this and, and I'm sure his players will as well that that Lincoln game was there for the taking, they. And in fact the Derby game was there for the taking. I I felt mm. I felt you know they they're the ones that you look back on and think those tiny marginal Gains that you can get, just the the points here and there um, at the end of the season, they start stacking up. Um, and come May, I hope that they're not looking back on both those two results and thinking, well, yeah, if we'd have just, you know, won the game there. Of course, you can make it up on ones that you don't expect, and they've done a bit of that with Barnsley already. They've got another chance this weekend, Plymouth. You know, normally speaking, I'd be sat here telling you, yeah, it draws a fantastic result. But I think if you are going to, if you're going to make up that slack, and they've dropped a couple of points. A couple of results where they, they, they know they've got a bit to make up. I think they're the ones you've got to make a statement. And that's why this weekend is is so big for Bolton. I think uh, they need to make a, a promotion statement and really sort of declare themselves in this race, really. Um, but we'll move on. We'll talk about the headlines. We'll talk about what's going on, because this is the podcast that writes the stories that all the other Bolton Wanderers podcasts talk about. And we do that through the medium of headlines. Take it away, Henry.
1: News.
0: Hello folks, just before we start headlines, a very quick edit. We recorded all this before Randall Williams signed for Bolton Wanderers from Hull City. Great signing, I think he'll do very well by the way. Um, He looks like he's going to go straight into the squad for Saturday at Plymouth. Somebody who won't be however... Will be Danny and Wunderloo, because he uh, is alone. He only finishes. We found out on the eighth of January, which means he will be available for Cheltenham on Saturday. So all eyes on there because if he does play for Cheltenham, you know he could pick up an injury. Let's be honest, it could be quite risky. But it's a big game for Cheltenham. They've got Morecambe, um so there's a big decision to be made there. All eyes on that one. I'll explain later on. You, you can listen to it, but just listen without prejudice. We didn't know. We didn't know.
1: Uh, yeah, well, the first one is what we kind of hinted at before. Uh, Dan uh from uh, from Southampton slash Cheltenham. It looks like it's over the line. As we record this on Thursday morning, you said on Twitter last night that it was pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been announced as we speak yet, but we're hoping it would have been announced, uh, especially before this podcast gets released, uh, ready for him to, to maybe be um, involved on Saturday. So, I mean, what do you... What do you think about this signing? Do you think he could play on Saturday? And, and what do you think he'll bring to Bolton?
0: Well, first off, I mean, there's a bit of paperwork to be done because first of all, the loan's got to get cancelled at Cheltenham. Then they've got to redo um, another deal with Bolton. It brings up all sorts of, of questions as to to where he fits in it. But Cheltenham fans that I've spoken to, um, I'm obviously from down that neck of the woods, so I know a few, um, They they don't feel like they saw the best of him uh obviously a player with with a great deal of talent a player that's played in the premier league and who was seriously knocking on the door of a southampton team with some some pretty big talents a couple of years back um he's he's obviously dropped down a little bit he's he's been out getting experience on loan but i don't think either the, the first loan he had at lincoln or this second one at cheltenham has been has been especially productive partly because he hasn't really been getting chances I think he feels like he's been getting to a lot of work on his own um and kind of like Alfie May's been out quite a bit of the season maybe just hasn't had the support up front. Um uh, one of the journalists I spoke to uh, down in Cheltenham said that he's he's a player that doesn't miss many chances. He doesn't get many chances, but when he when he gets in front of goal he tends to be quite reliable. Now that obviously we've been talking about Dion Charles and having a few chances and then maybe scoring one in four if you've got somebody with a slightly better ratio than that then in this, in this Bolton team he should score more goals. Um but I don't need to tell anybody about strikers and goal ratios. I'm sure you'll all be screaming the words "alias Kachunga" at me. And it, you know Bolton have tended to sign these players that don't necessarily have huge prolific records. On the proviso that he never saying it. Yes, but we can, we create more chances than most. You know he's he's got to come here. He's got to show that. And then Bolton have got the option to sign him on a permanent basis in the summer, which for him is is a really big challenge because Bolton have got ambitions to be a championship team. He's, he's got a, ch- a chance to be a championship player if he is a success here at Bolton. So there's a, a degree of pressure on his shoulders, I think, as he comes in. It's obviously quite a stacked attacking roster, to use a, a an MLS term that you'll be familiar with, Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's loads of attacking options. What it means for others, we shall wait and see.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think when I, I mean I don't know that much about him to be honest, but then again I haven't really known much about many of the signings we've made. So you've got to, you've got to trust Ian Ever and Chris Markham. And you know we were chatting before we started recording before, and you know it seems for Bolton that we have wanted him for a while, and the the research that goes into these signings, then the way they look at how they would fit into our team, it does seem that. Um, if if they want a player, they want him. He's not just for one window. But they actually want him, and they keep an eye on him. And I know ever said that before, so mm. it's it's clearly someone that they they are after. So much so that they've, um, you know, they, they've gone in for him, even though he's been on uh, on loan at another club in the same league. So yeah, it's um, I'm I'm interested to see how this works because I also saw Lincoln fan he was on loan there, I've seen Lincoln fans kind of saying similar to Cheltenham fans. Um but you know, you look at last season and think, well, people were saying that about Bod Varson and he's turned out to be a, a good signing at the moment. So um we'll await and see. I think the big thing for what you said there was the fact that he, he puts more chances away than he um than he misses. Mm. And I think that's what we need. We need someone who is going to put those chances away. And I, I, somebody put on Twitter a, like a montage of his goals for Cheltenham this season, and the all most of them seem that he gets a chance in the area and he 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 powers it in, he drills it in. And I think sometimes our strikers try to place it. I think Dion's been a bit like that, um, try and place it, and it, it doesn't quite work up. So we need someone if a chance drops to them to just have a shot on goal and. Uh, make it so the keeper can't save it, you know, drill it in and I think he does that. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how he does. Um I mean what does this then mean for because we'd have six strikers then. Um does it, I, and I know Bakiokov has been bids in for him. Does this I do you think we've seen the, the last of Bakioko is his Bakioko's final thing for Bolton, final sign off is that uh, when he trips over the ball against Barnsley?
0: I hope not. I really hope not, because I think he deserves a better, a better goodbye than that. Uh, I, I think there's been interest now for a couple of weeks, and every time I see his name on the team sheet, I think, oh right, well you know he's still there. He's 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 obviously um, still ticking along. I, I think he will be the unlucky one in terms of if I had to put anything on who will leave we know Salford have had some interest although they've also looking at a couple of other strikers so where he now fits in there um in their kind of shopping list i'm not 100% sure at the moment there are a couple of other league 2 clubs who have also been in for uh, amadou bakayoko i understand um i mean he's not going to get chances i think if you if you're amadou bakayoko you look at and uh, coming in and probably one other striker you are going to be at the bottom of that pack. He's already only, I think he's made five uh, starts this season, so he's already not getting the football that he'd want. And I think for his career and, you know, at his age, you probably hold your hands up and say, right, well, I've enjoyed my time at Bolton, maybe I do go on. Um, He may think, I'm going to dig my hills in and and show that I should be starting, in which case everybody wins, really. But I, I would suggest there are... The, the, at least Bakayoko will be giving way from that. We've talked about Kieran Sadler as well, of course, so many times on on this podcast as to whether or not the the scraps of football that he's fed off are going to be enough for him. He started at Lincoln as a a left wing back in sort of very particular tactical circumstances that Ian ever explained after the game that he felt that. You know, Regan Poole, who was playing on the right side of Lincoln's defence, wasn't going to get forward. He's more of a centre half, so he felt it was it was time for, um, for Sadlier to get on there. I don't think he had a great game. You can argue he didn't get great service, um, but that was that was a really big chance for him. And I just wonder now, having seen him drop back to the bench against Barnsley, I know he came on later on and put in a couple of balls. But he's, that's what he, that's what he's been doing. He's been that kind of finisher for Bolton. Is he satisfied with that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I think, Bakayoko, I think Bakayoko will go. Um, and I think you've got to say thanks to him because he's provided some fantastic moments. But I just think if Bolton are going to go to that next level, my gut feeling is that, that Bakioko would get less and less football. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... This season is like last season. He he, he obviously became a fan's favourite. He was he was in the box taking those chances that were being created, Um and we've seen glimpses this year. Like the Burton goal, I thought was a brilliant goal, and then he scored a few in the Papa Johns. But um, I think overall, it's yeah, it, it's it's just not quite clicked for him, and I think you know his touches has gone, it bounces off him, he's not taking any chances, he's not having many chances, to be fair to him, so I think um, we've, what we've learned with this Bolton Wanderers now is that we are hopefully on our way back up the leagues and as we go, we can't just keep people around for the sake of it you know, we can't keep people around and, 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 and yet again, people are looking and well, go why is Kachunga here, but um, you know, I think Kachunga, funnily enough maybe not in the goal scoring, but everything else, I think he probably offers more than Bakioko. Mm. So, you, you'd be more, if we're going to get a striker and he can score goals, you'd be more obliged to keep Kachunga. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Bakioko will leave and if he goes to Salford in League 2, he'll score a hat full of goals and that's probably what they need at the moment and he'll, he'll be back in League 1. But, um, yeah, I think for us, I think this season is, it's it's just a shame for him. But, it's, like I said, we can't just keep players around for the sake of it.
0: No, you've got to be got to be ruthless. You've got to be ruthless and you've got to make wise choices, especially in January. And let's be honest, Ian Ever has been very, very good at making those choices in the couple of seasons he's had. So I think you've got to trust in him.
1: You do, yeah. So uh, this brings us on to a few of the rumours that we've heard about Bolton already. Of course, we we hopefully, and we, we maybe have when this goes out, got one in the building. Um, there's been rumours of other strikers as well, mainly Tom Eames, uh Eve, sorry, from, um, you know, for, for a Hull player City. who we've yeah we've seen we've seen him before, and uh, we've seen that he has gone on and been successful at other clubs like Hull City, um, far more than what he was at Bolton. Do you see him making a grand return? No. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, no, no,
0: he's injured. I mean, I, I don't. It's one of those. I think when in the weeks leading up to a, a, a January window, there's lots of stuff goes on behind the scenes. And, I, I you know, it may well be that Bolt have, have had him on some sort of shortlist or had conversations with his agent about potential availability whilst they're sussing out exactly where they want to go with things. But they certainly don't appear to have made any definitive move for him. Um, he, he's got a hamstring injury as as Paul Warren pointed out the other day, Paul Warren swears blind there's been no move for him. So I, I very much doubt there is going to be anything that that, that goes anywhere. Um, that's that's not me saying that there's never been a conversation about Tom Eaves because I, I've been around the block enough times to know that these things... Clubs are very good at trying to leave, not leave fingerprints on, on these sort of things. So... Um, I doubt it will go past the conversations stage. I mean, there's a bit of me that thinks that somebody like Tommy, if somebody with the kind of the physical presence is what Bolton are missing, the The target man type, and we've said it for quite a while Really, Bolton haven't really had a target man type for quite a while. When Oko came in originally, we thought he was going to be the guy, but then he spent the first two or three weeks Telling us I'm not a target man. Don't brand me a target man. And it's turned out that way. He hasn't really been that guy. Now Bob Varson is probably as, as near as damn it, but I, I still don't think he's necessarily the 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 man that wants to play with his back to goal. Um, in the same way as an Eves uh, or something like a Gary Medine, for example. Um, mm. You know, he, he's quite happy sat there bringing other players into play and 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 you know backing into defenders um so yes i do think that kind of player is missing from bolton's makeup but whether or not bolton really played the sort of football that's going to n- require him that often I-, I have my doubts how about you
1: yeah um i again you've got to if if it, there was something in it you've got to trust that um you know they've done the research they've got the stats and he, he would be beneficial for us he doesn't it well it's not a name that necessarily screams out at me and go i, I get excited about um but we do need that player you know you look at yeah bud Varson's done it a bit Bakioko doesn't want to do it i think kachunga and charles have, have tried to do it at times and hold the ball up well but if you've got someone who is used to that and can you know get a few goals as well. We are looking, I think we're still looking for that Kevin Davis type who will get you eight or nine goals a season plus loads of free kicks and assists and all of that. So, yeah, if Tom Eves could be that man, then great. But, you know, he's, he's picked up his hamstring injury. So, I think maybe that'll scupper any, any chances and Bolton will look elsewhere. But, um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you, actually. I think that is something that we do need. We need that person in the team. And I think there's no... Um, you know it's no surprise for me that when uh, Bod Varson and Charles started up front the other day they were very successful
0: Yeah it, it, took, it took away that requirement for Dion Charles to hold the ball up I think they obviously had the game plan to try and get him behind Barnsley's back three felt maybe there was a little issue with pace and positioning and, and that Dion Charles could exploit that and, and that's exactly the way it worked out it was a perfect game plan it won't happen every week but you'd like to think that that it removes it removes that aspect because I think that Dion one of Dion's f- sort of fallible aspects is that i don't think his first touch is great, so if you are pinging pinging passes up to him, I think you're losing a lot of it. I think that happened at Lincoln a lot of ball was was coming off affaline and 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 Dion up front the ball was not being retained well, so when you do that you you're constantly having to Well, you battle against the tide, aren't you, really? Because it's coming straight back at you. So I think that Dion is happier when he's relieved of that duty and that he can just focus on being a complete pain in the backside. So, you know, long may that continue. Hopefully then he gets his his confidence up. He starts scoring a greater percentage of those chances that he's creating largely himself through sheer annoyance. Um, and then he gets closer and closer to that twenty-goal mark. So I think it can work if they can find the right player and and if Bob Varsen can stay fit. That's that's my New Year's resolution. It's it's praying every day that John Danny Bob Varson stays fit.
1: Yeah, he's um, yeah. He, I mean, he's a he's a top player. I think he is. Um, he's someone that you know. He when he he, he offers a lot more other strikers he offers a lot more i think he's he's free he's touch he's actually really good surprisingly uh, for a big guy and um you know he's, he's shown he knows where the the goal is so yeah i i think a fit john daddy bob you who can have a run of games is is what we i think we'll be better off for it um and that's the thing if Bodvarson can stay fit you then do wonder well would we need the likes of a tom eaves or anyone and uh i i don't suppose we would so i think uh Part of the reason why we are trying to get someone like that in is is purely because we we can't trust him and Bakayoko. I think they've they've both had their injury problems, so we need someone who can come in and play thirty odd games a season for us. Um, right, let's move on from the um, from the transfers then, and uh, let's look at uh, a story that that obviously we recorded our end of year special before the the Christmas period, so we haven't really spoken about this yet, but um dapo after lion is one match into a three match ban it happened against lincoln um did you you were there did you see it at the time because i i know a lot of people were kind of confused until somebody posted a video online showing it and everyone was then like oh right yeah that is that is quite bad that, that's, that it would have been ascending off
0: i absolutely had no idea no idea whatsoever um What's more, nobody around me in the press box flagged it up. Nobody flagged it up in the post-match interviews, including Mark Kennedy, who I listened to every single word he said, didn't say a word about Dapo off So it's obviously something that's come to fruition after the game or that Mark Kennedy was not talking about deliberately, who knows. Um, but I think... It, it it doesn't really feel particularly great I, I mean obviously he's banged to rights I think you look at the incident you think yes I, I don't think really you can dispute the fact that he made contact with his elbow and that it should have been flagged up as a foul which would have also cost Bolton the goal of course because it was told that turned in at the other side of the goal but I think when you are digging that deep into every single game and retrospectively digging out incidents like that, then it's going to start getting quite messy and you're going to start. And Ian Everett said tit for tat. And and I I understand where he's coming from on that. It felt, it, it felt a little bit like, and a little bit personal that they've, they've made an example of this because they weren't happy with the way the game went or the way the game was refereed. Now, There are probably two or three different incidents in every single game that if you pulled them out, you could make an example of them. And I noticed this week that the EFL, Howard Webb, has started a new thing where they take two or three different incidents from across the three divisions and they re-examine them on the EFL website and and they, they... Say what should have happened, or this is why it did happen. Controversial incidents, which I think is a good thing, and I think it, you know it's, it, it adds to that communication that we've been looking for from officials. That's all good. But if you are going to have this happen regularly, it's it's like a really slow vo- version of VAR, isn't it? It's like well, there was a contentious issue that the referee knew anything about. Let's let's dig this out and, and let's two days afterwards find out whether or not he's guilty. And you know how where's that going to stop? I mean, where does that where does that sit uh, when you're trying to plan for games? Because Dapo, I'm sure, will have been involved at Derby, sorry, at Barnsley, and um, you know, it, and then Saturday afternoon they find out that he's nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a confusing one. I'm I'm not disputing the fact he should be, should have been banned. It, it just maybe should have should have been flagged up a little earlier.
1: Yeah, no, I I get that. It kind of came out on New Year's Eve in the evening it was kind of a yeah, if it, if it was that much of an issue and, and to be fair, seeing the video about yeah, it it was, it would have been a sending off and to be honest in the whole grand scheme of things it, it you know, you could, t- they were winding Bolton players up um, and to be fair with me, I, I obviously the lad's okay, so it's all fine but I was actually quite glad that he did it as a we're not going to take this rubbish anymore. We're going to give you some back. And the fact that it happened when Bolton scored, I thought was brilliant. But, um, but yeah, I think um, it, 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 yeah, it's a free match ban. It definitely is. But I, I get what you're saying there. And I can understand why Ian Everett was frustrated that it is that sort of... If it was that much of an issue, um, then well,
0: it, it should have been... official's for. I mean, if, if it's so yeah. much of an issue, bring it up with the fourth official at the time. But obviously, it hasn't yeah. even been spotted until after the game. So, are we going to re-referee every single game now and spot and pick out the bits we didn't like? No, exactly. And also, it,
1: it, I think it it speaks volumes for what Lincoln were doing. The fact that they had a man down and their play, their uh, managers just thought, "Oh, well, he's clearly clearly trying to get someone. Uh, he's trying to get a free kick, or he's trying to waste mm-hmm. time." You know, like they've clearly, if if it was out of the ordinary, they'd look and go, "Well, what's happened there?" So um, yeah, I mean, as I said, on the whole, it was a it, it's a free match ban, and um, it is what it is. It, should, it would have been a sending off if it had been seen. But I also I understand why the frustrations there because it's yeah we we we've, we we've, refereeing the game in effect the day after it's happened. So if that's the case, then I'm sure in every match you could go through, you know what what's going to be next? Is it going to be that? The amount of times that we we have a corner and our players, the shirts are getting pulled. Do what? Do we have to go go back to the stadium and have a penalty?
0: <laughs> I'm not going back to Lincoln for nobody. Thank you very much. <laughs> not the following day. Give me another headline, Henry. Um. Well, this one is
1: this one. Well, I mean, we'll see more about this on uh, on Saturday. It's about the pitch at the stadium. We've seen a few people. Especially after the derby game, commenting on the state mm-hmm. of the pitch. Now we've got to say, uh, before we talk about this, the Bolton ground staff are the, and it has been proven they've won awards, the best in the league. Yeah. So uh, this isn't a dig at them. It's more a conversation about what has happened to the pitch because it is looking, it's looking, it's not as looking its plush green self um, this year. I know we've had some bad weather, and as I look outside now, as we record this, we continue to have poor weather, but um do you think the the rugby has has affected it?
0: Yeah, it's all the extracurricular stuff, isn't it? So you've had Rugby League played on there, which is notoriously tough on, on playing surfaces. You've had uh, you know, various concerts and, and uh events like the the Carol concert for example, you've had the youth team games, um you know, all this stacks up and uh, the the actual surface itself. Now people have said this quite regularly, so I make this point. They said, "Oh, well, it got resurfaced last year." It didn't. It got reseeded last year. Every every year they take the very very top layer of everything off and they reseed it. But underneath that is like a netting, so it's a synthetic pitch to a, to a large extent, and the grass is actually weaved into it. So what actually needs to happen is you need to go even deeper and resow everything into uh, into the ground, if you will. So it's a really big job, a really expensive job, and it's not something you do every year, or I imagine the Premier League clubs do something like it, but certainly at this level you don't want to be spending, you know, two hundred and fifty grand or whatever every year on, on a on a new pitch. But it's come to the end of its shelf life, to use Ian Everett's phrase. Um, the pitch has been immaculate for the last few seasons. And even now, I mean let's let's be fair, it's not it's it's not even in the top Fifteen worst pitches in in League One. Uh, there's a couple of little threadbare bits, and when it was absolutely wazzing down the other day uh, against Derby, I think Paul Warren made the point that the conditions were difficult. I don't think it was necessarily that much of a, a slight at the pitch, but it was it was getting difficult to uh, to, to control the ball apparently. Um, so yeah, I, I think they've got to spend some money on it if they want to be playing this sort of football. They need to. This is it's like making a new signing. You've got to have a surface that counts. Um, weirdly, you know, it might just get them used to playing on one, some of those surfaces that aren't as good, potentially, uh, as, as they've struggled to in the past. So maybe it's good preparation. Maybe they use this, this few months to know what the other half is like. I don't know. But um, I think... You know, I mean, watching grass grow—is it—is it that interesting to talk about? I don't know. In a, on a podcast, you tell me, Henry. Is there—is there—is there, is there, is there more—is there more to be made on this? <laughs> um, well, I think
1: we have been watching grass grow in some of our matches, especially the Burton one, where the ball was only in play for forty minutes. <laughs> um, there's not much else to do, but um, yeah, I, it's I th- yeah, I I think. It's, it's more important. It is important, and it's important uh, because of the way we play football. Um, you know, we play football um, on the ground. We play it uh, a passing game, so if the pitch is, uh, isn't great, and to be honest, I did think against Lincoln, actually, the, the, the pitch was very bouncy. I thought it wasn't great. For, we had to adjust to it, and that's probably why our first-half performance was so poor. But, um, but yeah, the way we play it is important and the pitch is a, a good pitch. And, um, so, yeah, it is worth the conversation. However, yeah, there will be people out there who, who, who are sick of the passing game anyway and want us to get it up front as quicker. So maybe it's a good thing for them.
0: Absolutely. Let's have another headline.
1: Um, so let's look ahead to uh, the Plymouth game then. And um, Jack Iredale came off the pitch on, um you know against Barnsley with an injury I've got to admit when he first went down I thought it was a bit of gamemanship sh- game which I, I quite liked actually because we don't do it enough um where they were attacking and uh, he, he just sort of sat down yeah um didn't then, then realize that it was an actual injury and Geffen Jones had to come on for him um so uh, what's what was it what do you know about it will he play will he be available for Saturday or are we looking at uh, other options?
0: Well, I mean, as we sit here, I haven't done the press conference so I can't tell you whether he's going to be available for Saturday. I certainly hope he's available for Saturday. It's been an injury that he's managed so far. It just uh, it took a knock on the knee against Derby. Uh, so, hopefully he gets through it because it, it creates a bit of an interesting, an interesting one because if Jack isn't available, you wouldn't put Kieran <clears throat> Sadlia in as a left wing back, he played, obviously, the previous game against Lincoln. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't put him in against Plymouth. I think that would be quite foolhardy. So then it comes down to two options in the squad, uh, or maybe three options. You have the youngster, Owen Beck, who's done quite well. When he's, is he Has he got the experience to handle Plymouth? Maybe not. Does Declan John, who, of course... Uh, you know he could de- definitely handle it. I wouldn't have any ne- necessarily have any problems, but it certainly would be a bit of a, rev- a full reverse as far as Bolton's concerned because he's been so far out of the picture. I think everybody has expected him to move on. Um, so where his head's at at the minute is is quite a, an unknown. Or conversely, you put Gethin Jones on as a, a left wing back, and if yeah, I, I don't think he's he's been great there for for Bolton. He's done okay when he's had to do it. Certainly from start the start of games, I thought when he came on the other day, it took him a little while to get get sure of his touch. obviously he's been out for a few weeks as well. They switched him back to the right in the end, and everything was a okay but I think it could be tricky if if Jack doesn't come through um which is weird when you've got so many options at left wing back It's just who do you trust
1: yeah it Yeah, I think Declan John is probably the man to come in. But again, it's, yeah, where his head's at, you you have no idea. Um, You know, there's been rumours of a a bit of a a spat with Ian Everett. So, whether he trusts him in there is another thing. Like you said, Owen Beck is a young lad and and maybe as an option to come off the bench, especially if we say a goal down or chasing a a winner, then I, I would put Owen Beck in there because he is... Probably more attacking minded, um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 a big call uh, because that's an important position of the pitch. I think he'll probably go with Geffen Jones over there, and that's purely to get Geffen Jones again because another conversation that we possibly need to have, and we may have that later when we do our um, talk more about the Plymouth game. Um, do you change the bat free? Um, for me, you probably don't so to get Geffen Jones on the pitch he is going to have to play in a wing-back position and he's not going to get in instead of Bradley so I would probably go with uh, Geffen Jones if Iredale isn't available
0: Have we got a final headline Henry? Uh,
1: yeah so this, this came out over Christmas and it was quickly um, quickly denied I think by Bolton and uh, James Trafford was linked with Rangers and um, there were, there were rumours that in Lunderloo kind of situation would happen where Rangers would take him off us on loan. Um but Bolton have come out and said that's not going to happen. Um I mean obviously James Trafford probably isn't going to be with us next year. He's going to wanna to, and if Rangers are in for him, he's probably going to go to, to Scotland and play Champions League football or whatever they're going to be in. But mm-hmm. was this an actual this rumour, could it have happened? Can it happen? Is this something we should be worried about this month?
0: No. Uh, he's he's not got a recall clause so not going to happen this month however you know Rangers have been in the vicinity they have been watching so who knows they could well be planning for the summer and James Trafford I think will by the summer be ready for that step up and be able to play regularly at that sort of level I'd also like to see him playing in the Championship with Bolton Wanderers personally but uh, you know whether that could be the case whether or not that's good for him. I mean, you've got to think that having already done 18 months at one club, would another season at the same club really be that beneficial for a young man who's, who's obviously trying to broaden his horizons a little bit? Maybe not. We think they're just thinking very selfishly there, really. Um, but as, as far as Rangers are concerned, I could see him going up there and doing a good job. They've got Alan McGregor, who's about 58. Uh, playing at the moment, and I've seen a, a couple of the highlights from the weekend, and and he definitely is starting to uh, show his age. It's sort of like having the tin manning in goal. Uh, so he def- they definitely need something um, if they've got any uh, ambition to to break the the Celtic uh, the, the stranglehold on the title up there. But um, yeah, I think I think Traff has been excellent this season. I think he's he's evolved as a goalkeeper. He's the mature. He's looking more mature. Um, you know, he's not. He's not infallible. He, he, he can make mistakes. There's areas of his game he knows he has to improve. But I think, just generally speaking, he's been the best keeper that Bolton have had for for quite some time. Um, and it will be a it will be a miss. It's a massive, massive set of boots to fill for whoever comes in.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know whether Man City have got um, you know. Th- They've got a Trafford Mark II somewhere in their youth setup who we can take. They've but probably
0: got a room full of them.
1: They probably have, yes. So we'll just that we'll for the rest of time we'll just be a Man City goalkeeper for heated team. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, he's you know I, I think the thing for Trafford was we we got ourselves especially since Ian Everett came in we got ourselves in a position where we were. Well, we we just we had goalkeeper after goalkeeper, and he just wasn't working out. And he came in, and he he's just been such a, a top top player. Um, and he's he's exactly what Bolton need in that position. He's someone who's good with his feet. He plays as a sweeper, and then he's he's a good shot stopper as well. You trust him. Um, yeah, he's had one or two errors, but that's natural for a goalkeeper uh, of his his age. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's been top class And it's, it's a shame that, you know, he isn't our player But let's face it, and let's be brutally honest If he was our player, right now we'd be having a conversation Of can we keep hold of traffic in the transfer window So, if he, even if he was our player I don't think we'd keep him for much longer anyway
0: Right, OK, time to move on New Year, same old postman What's in the bag, Phil? Is that Philip Maresh? Chile. Yes. Happy New Year to everybody that sends in emails to our podcast. We love them. We love reading them out. We love discussing them, however ridiculous they are. So I've picked out some of the best ones for this week. Happy New Year, Mark and Henry. Writes, uh, sorry, let me scroll down to the bottom. Writes, Brian. Brian. Stop double spacing your emails, Brian. It takes me ages to scroll down. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year, Mark and Henry. Thought I'd throw some comments your way over on the performances over the festive season. The good lady and myself were able to be at the Exeter game. It was a good win at the time, but Exeter's performance since that game has been remarkable. They're fast approaching the playoff zone. Maybe the win against them was better than it was first thought. They didn't look that good going forward, but that was down to our defence. The Derby game was full of fast and furious football. The one clear chance fell to Dean in the second half and went wide of the post. A draw, for me, was a fair result. Lincoln was disappointing. We were asleep with the first goal. The only goal conceded over the four games. And after that, we didn't get to grips with the game until Mr. Everett had a conversation with the players at half-time. Barnsley was definitely a happy Monday. I like that. Um, I thought we had a genuine call for a penalty before one was given. The sending off was harsh, but what goes around comes around Enrico at Morecambe last season comes to mind. Now the big question, says Brian. Who in the current back three would you drop to make way for Santos and Jones? Toll's proven to be the find of the season. He's very quick and solid at the back. Ameson has been outstanding since Rico's illness. I also thought he performed well at the end of last season when Rico picked up the injury. Johnson is becoming one of the best defenders in the league and for me was man of the match against Derby. So guys, predictions for the back three against Plymouth. Regards from a sunny Spain. Castalia, in Spain. Um, right, Henry, this is the, I've deliberately excluded this from the, the discussion elsewhere on the podcast. This is probably the big one of the week. The back three against Plymouth. Do you change it? No. Moving I think on.
1: It's, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think it would be very harsh to do so. I, I, Ever, Ian Everett's got a, a tough decision to make because Santos is our captain. If he's fit, he plays. Jones is an experienced member of a team, so again, you'd, you'd think in, in maybe some people's eyes if he's fit, he plays, but I just think at the moment, those three, Johnston, yeah, has come on this season. He was a good player last season, but he's come on so much. Toll, as you know, they've said, it's been a great find, but...
0: keep
1: <laughs> Sorry, um, but um, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he is still inexperienced, at this level, um, so maybe Toll would go back onto the bench and Jones would come back in. But Amerson, for me, is the one that, on paper, you would look and go, yeah, he would come out and Santos would come in. But I think he's been tremendous. I think he's been he's been, and I'm glad he's had this period because I feel Amerson, for me, last at the end of last year didn't do anything wrong yet. in some people's eyes, he has been. People looking at him and going, "He's the weak link." And I, I always thought, I, I don't quite see that. He's okay. He's not as as you know, a, a good a passer as Santos. I was showing the ball as Santos, but he's not done anything wrong. And I think in the last four or five games, he's not either. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I would. I think for this game, it's a big game. It's it's as you said before, it's a chance to put a marker down and. Really show what we want to do this year, um, so I think he'd be a very brave man to to change it. I think the easy thing to do is to keep the back three as it is, and then if Santos and Jones are ready to play, put them in against Portsmouth in the Papa Johns. Um, that would be what I would say. I mean, would you agree with that, or do you think it's it's a no brainer to put Santos back in?
0: I, I tend to agree with the idea that you use them in the Papa John's and then make your decision after that as to whether Jones and, and Santos look like they were 100% for the, for the league game that follows against Portsmouth the next weekend. I think this weekend, it would be hugely, hugely harsh on Ames and, and Toll to be dropped after the way they played in the last couple of games. And I really do think... Toll, um, he's got something. He's certainly challenging. He's he's certainly challenging Jones for a starting spot. Even if everybody was a hundred percent fit and it was a start, you know, from a from a standing start, I think Toll is is already challenging now. Ameson it has looked better in that central role. I think when he's coming to the team, either side of Santos or, or trying to play either side of the central uh, in the back three, he hasn't looked quite as good when he's asked to move forward and try and, you know, push into midfield and, and move possession on. I think he's been happier just doing the defensive stuff and he's, you know, no frills done everything, everything by the book. He's been really good. He's really solid and he doesn't let you down. He to, to use a phrase that seems to follow him around all over the place, he never lets you down um, I think eventually Santos will work his way back in there how quickly he does that will largely depend on how, how rusty he looks and and it kind of works against it doesn't it because he has to get back into the team to, to look better but you know, at what, at what point in time do you do that um, I'd back the three I'd back the three that played against Barnsley and you know, Ameson's going to have something to prove against Plymouth. Obviously, they're the team he played for before Bolton. There's, that always takes an extra, gets an extra five percent out of you, I think. So I, I think, I think I'm backing Ameson He's been put up for press as well. I'm speaking to him in about in about two hours' time. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk him down now. Uh, let's, uh, I'm Team Ameson Let's go. <laughs> mm. uh, right, let's go. Let's get. Let's have another headline. Uh, headline, not a headline. Let's have another email. We've done headlines. Um, dear Mark and Henry, this one's from Andy. Uh, still loving the podcast. Still loving the podcast. Okay, that's fine then. Um, Fridays would not be the same without it. Uh, in the build-up to Dempsey's fantastic goal against Barnsley on Monday, I was part of the away support, having fun at Barnsley's expense with the good old way. Every time a Bolton player had a touch. This got me thinking, how many crowd Wahays have actually led to a goal? Normally, they end up with a boo as the opposition regain the ball. And I can only think of maybe Leeds United in the 70s with their 40-plus passes leading to a goal. But did 70s fans whay back then? Happy New Year. I mean, you're probably the wrong person to ask, but are Wahays uh, a new invention? And I thought they were Olays, Were they Wahays?
1: Uh, no, I think they all, uh, I think it's just a cheer. I think it's meant to be oles, but it's like hey. Um, I I've been watching Bolton for twenty five, twenty six years, and I, I I can remember not many times. I've got to point out, but I I do I do remember us doing it throughout that time. So I don't necessarily think it's a new uh, invention. Um, but whether they did it in the seventies or not, I don't I don't know. But I definitely know that I I can't remember it leading to a, a goal before, I think what's funny is my, when I go and watch with my dad, He, he I, unless it's 4-0 in the last minute, he hates the Ole's mm-hmm. because as as he's pointed out there, it normally leads to the opposition getting fired up, tackling and then there's a chance at the other end. Um, so he he started moaning when we started it the other day and then obviously it ended with a cheer and we were we, you know, I, I think we've, we've pointed out I don't think I've ever seen that before, not been a part of it anyway, but um, but no I think uh, I, I don't think it's a new invention necessarily but yeah you'd have to ask someone older than myself whether it was a, a thing in the 80s or the 70s
0: I think I remember them disappearing about the time of Phil Parkinson that used to go ole Boo!
1: <laughs> yeah I mean did we have a string more than five passes um, <laughs> ole yeah. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. just when Chris Taylor got the ball <laughs>
0: I was just boo. You didn't even get an Olay. <laughs> didn't even get Olay. Uh, oh God, Chris Taylor. God, I haven't thought about him in a long time. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody a little older than myself can probably, probably, let us know. Did did Waheys or Olays exist in the sixties and seventies? At what stage in football's evolution did it become fashionable to? And, and what at what point does an Olay kick in? I think it's it's obviously quite a, a, a an organic thing so maybe four or five passes you've got to be a certain distance ahead as well so there's no danger of a counter actually meaning anything so if you three if you tune a up obviously it's all right to Olay in the last 10 minutes um but at what stage does it kick in? I'd, I'd like to see if anybody's got any graphs uh, or any uh, any any metrical data that uh, that can tell me uh, whether, at what stage an Olay is acceptable. Please send them in on the normal address. Last email time, dear Mark and Henry. This one is from Glen. Um, who also won, by the way, a couple of people have asked me, the competition to uh, find out who was the uh, missing Bolton manager, uh, ex-Bolton player who's currently managing the Football League. It was Steve Evans, by the way. Uh, But Glenn, Glenn won that. off the uh, the back of a different email but this one's a different one. Uh, uh, I'm a Bolt Wanderers fan who's been trapped down south the last four years whilst I work at university so to kill time off and go and watch something local. I sit here having just watched Southampton get beaten at home by Nottingham Forest and have come to the conclusion that both teams are going down. I listen to the podcast regularly and I'm sure someone mentioned fireworks on an episode not too long ago. Southampton put on a big light display before the game with all manner of pyrotechnics and it reminded me of when Bolton used to do the same in the early Premier League days. What happened to all that? I know cheerleaders aren't very 2023, but whenever you watch the team running out, there isn't the same sense of occasion anymore. Or maybe I should just take my rose-tinted spectacles off and enjoy the best football we've had in ages. Thought I'd drop you guys a line, and thank you for the best podcast around. That's from Glenn, who's obviously buoyed by the fact that he won a buff mug. Um, so... uh would you like to see the return of Pyrotechnics and the Reebok Rebels? Um
1: yeah, I think uh I think maybe the Reebok Rebels have had the time. Maybe well then they do it in America, don't they? So the uh the NFL. So maybe. But um but it all depends on the occasion, you know, like um would pyrotechnics and a light display work in a Papa John's trophy in front of two thousand people? Probably not. <laughs> but uh Maybe a big midweek game, uh, where there's twenty thousand in. Maybe it would. So uh, yeah, I you know I have I've been to watch Man City this season. Well, sorry, I've been to watch Erling Haaland this season, mm-hmm. uh, and they do it, and it looked incredible. But it was a it surprisingly for the Eti, I had quite a full stadium, um, and it was a Champions League night, so it, it kind of made sense. over some of the midweek occasions we have at the Uni
0: yeah, I'd I'd like it. I think I'd like. It. I like those light shows. In fact, I think Plymouth do one if if memory serves. I think they do a a, a big light show before the game. I think they're expensive to install. I wouldn't mm. like to have to put all the bulbs in. Um, mm. I think a, a working tannoy system would be my number one priority if I was going to be doing anything um, on yeah. a match day at, at the river. something that that Phil Phil could use um, and actually be able to hear what the players' names are would be great. Um by the way, uh prayers for, for Phil when uh Danny Unlundaloo comes in. I hope he gets his uh, his gnashes around that one. I hope he, uh, he he can he can say that name without uh, without tripping over. No no comma, by the way, in Unlundaloo, uh, I've been told. Just just a bit of style guide there. Um but yeah, yeah. Uh, would I like to see the lights would I like to see the Return of the Rebels? No, obviously not. I'm not being cancelled for anybody. Um <laughs> But uh, would I like to see the return of um, uh, some uh, some sparklers and such like as uh, Goodney Bergson runs out of the tunnel? Of course I would. Anybody would. Um, right, so there are some massive, massive, massive games coming up. In fact, they're so big you can see them from the top of Rivington Pike. So let's have some predictions.
1: Pass us me crystal
0: ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Right, Henry. We've already we've tackled the back three. We've decided that there is not going to be any change, and I'm assuming you're okay with Trafford in goal. But what is the rest of your team for Plymouth at home?
1: Um, I would. I mean, I'd I'd probably keep the majority of who played against Barnsley. I think there's been long enough for you know for a break to do that. Mm. Um, the question over Eydale was I've kind of already answered it, I'd stick Jones in there, and then. If it's not working out, or we need a goal, probably put back in there yeah. um, to, to get a bit of energy in. In midfield, I thought I've got to say a lot of the plaudits with Kyle Dempsey, so I would keep him in. But Kieran Lee, I thought it was brilliant. He yeah, was, it was. We were on the, the left-hand side of the away stand, so he was right in front of us in the first half, and I thought he actually ran the show. Um, so I'd, I'd put Kieran Lee, and I think it's the game a game for him. Um, then you've got to kind of think. Well, who's the, the third sort of midfielder going to be? And Morley hasn't done much wrong, so I'd probably put Morley in. Maybe it's a game for MJ. You know, some a bit of a bit of steel in there, um, perhaps. And then up front, yeah, with Dapo not available, um, I think you've got to go for Bodvarsson and Charles. So I think it, it kind of picks itself.
0: I think I, I think I agree with you there. Whether or not physically they're all up to it I think that the left back is the or the left wing back is the big one for me that's that's a really interesting decision if, if I either can't make it i I think you give him every single chance to get available but we should we should know pretty soon whether that's going to be the case you certainly you certainly can't be looking at starting a youngster like Beck or or sadly on that side for me um, I think probably the the backup would be Jones um Josh and maybe I think it's it's a game it's a game where you don't want to be wasting the ball. The last thing you want to do is cough up possession to Plymouth mm. because they hit hard and fast. So you need players that are going to look after that ball. Now, Morley is great, um, uh, slight defensive concern. If you could just have three Kieran Lees in midfield, that would be fine. Um, so yeah. if there is anybody out there with replication devices that we may be able to just create two more Kieran Lees just for the purposes of this weekend. Um, then please do get in touch on the normal address. Um, what's your prediction? Do you think they're going to do it?
1: Um, we definitely do a goal against Plymouth. I, I, bearing in mind, I think the last <laughs> three times we've played and plus the FA Cup game, we yeah. haven't scored. So if we score, then that'll be a, a good start. Um, it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one to call. I've got to say, I think we yeah we can win the game. Um, and I think it'd be a massive marker, especially because I, I think we're the only two teams in the top eight or nine maybe who are playing um, because the rest have of, of been FA Cup duty or they've been knocked out and playing a team in the FA Cup, who actually, funnily enough, we were meant to be. We were meant to play Forest Green, weren't we? So, um, Which we'd be having a very different conversation if we were. Um, but I... See is losing so I'm going to play it safe I'm going to play down the middle 1-1 they'll probably score first and we'll get a goal later
0: last person last Bolton player to score against Plymouth Argyle very nearly 30 years ago was Mark Seagraves right strangely enough Bolton beat Plymouth 3-1 on the 16th of January 1993, Andy Walker, Mark Seagraves, and I'm assuming that's Andy Morrison, the guy, the, the big lad that used to play at Huddersfield and City, um, own goal. Um, yeah, I mean, I could really go for a three-one. I really could go for a three-one, but I'm with you. I'm going to sit on the fence. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go one apiece. And uh, yeah, I, I think that. I, in, realistically that's not a bad result you, you know a, a draw is not going to be a bad result against Plymouth and um, but it would be a great time to get a win I mean what yeah. next week's podcast it'd be so easy we'd be flying through it flying through it uh, let's let's touch on the Tuesday because this podcast exists throughout the week people listen to it weirdly after after the game I, I never quite understand why people are still listening to the podcast from four or five weeks ago but they do in their dozens and dozens um so papa john's trophy we know bolton are serious about it we don't want to use the phrase mickey mouse or anything like that because actually this is a proper game it's so proper that bbc radio manchester have even decided they're going to cover it um, wow. which is unprecedented they're going, to, they're going to be here so Jack Didon's going to be commentating on it um, so they've not got a manager as things stand whether that changes by the time they get here who knows but uh, Pompey have had a, a pretty poor season all, all things considered considering where they're supposed to be is this a good time to play them
1: um yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? I think the the whole week next week, bearing in mind that we play them again at the it's not like yeah. we've played them away, we're them at home again. And the distance that they've got to travel, so they've got to decide whether they're staying up or not. Um yeah, it's a real It's it's an odd one. I, I've I've got to say I'd be more confident if they had kept the manager in. Um but Again, is it too soon? Are they going to have someone in? Is it going to be a caretaker? Mm. We, you don't know because whereas Peterborough have just gone and appointed the same manager they had before, Portsmouth kind of have probably just reacted to um, the farm, sacked him, and then not really had someone in mind for to take over. So um, I am confident. I, I, I am confident. Um, but I'd be more confident with Cowley there, I've got to say.
0: Well, they got Tottenham at the weekend, so there's a bit of me that just hopes that Tottenham absolutely whacked them at the weekend, but that they still haven't made an appointment by the time they play against Bolton twice. That'd be the mm. ideal for me. But or,
1: or it's uh, they manage to get a goal and then they hang in, in the first minute and they're hanging on for ninety minutes and then Tottenham then not score five in the last minute. <laughs> did, so did they're I, tired, Harry and emotion
0: kills them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anything. Any Spurs can do Bolton a favour, basically, for the first time. I mean, I mean, you owe us a few from the Premier League days. Let's be honest. We all we all remember. Yeah. We all remember. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm strangely optimistic about that one. I think Bolton are going to beat Pompey personally in the in the cup. I'll, I'll reserve judgment for the league game until next week's podcast and having seen them up close a little bit as well. Um, but if they are staying at the, uh, Baltimore White's hotel, I think we should do the buff podcast outside the doors of the hotel at full blast, uh, and try in the middle of the night to try and keep, uh, t- try and keep the players up potentially. Uh, yeah. And the rest of the guests, which probably would be a bit problematic, but, um, yeah. I think we
1: should start a pyrotechnic, uh, display when we do a live podcast outside the, um, the hotel in the middle of the night on uh, Monday evening.
0: That's a good idea. It's a good idea. I'm just <laughs> going to make a quick call see if uh, Budget can uh, can manage that. Hello, yeah, no, they don't want to do it. Um,
1: no. We've got sparklers.
0: Yeah, we'll just just stand outside at 2 a.m. with some sparklers. Let's see if that works. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's an image to end the podcast for you. Uh, that is all we have time for this week. It's good to be back. Um, keep an eye out on all our social media channels for my post-match videos, uh, for instant reactions to the Plymouth and the Portsmouth results, including TikTok. Make sure you follow us on TikTok. That's the big one. I'm on TikTok, so make sure you follow us. Um, And also keep an eye out on the Bolton News website because that's the only place you're going to get regular Bolton Wanderers updates. Everybody else has given up. Uh, It's just us now. Um, So we will be back again for another podcast. Uh, another Buff podcast, one of the many Baltimore podcasts available. Um, Mm -hmm. Until that point in time, I've been uh, Mark, don't trust the fake Twitter agent, Zyles.
1: And I've been Henry, it definitely was a sending off and a penalty, Hewitt. And this has been
0: The Buff.